Welcome to the Persuasion Lab. This is Martin Medeiros, and before we get into today's podcast, I would like to mention a couple of places to visit where you can view some more of my content. If you would like to learn more about negotiation, you can head on to negotiationstrategist.com. We also have a Facebook page called Negotiation Strategist Research and an Instagram page called The Persuasion Lab. We post content weekly to the Facebook and Instagram pages, so check us out there. And of course, nothing I say today should be relied on as legal, medical, psychological, or financial advice. So today, we're going to talk about negotiating a purchase order. A purchase order. These are points of great confusion for business persons because they often don't know who issues it. They don't know if it's negotiable. They don't know what terms, uh, when, or how it plays out. So today's podcast is on how to negotiate a purchase order. So purchase orders generally are sent from the buyer of goods to the seller of goods. And it's a way to efficiently acquire goods and services, and it contains kind of the bare bones information of the transaction. Uh, You may uh, want to know a little bit more about basic contracts. Uh, A contract involves the offer made and acceptance of that offer, and then consideration, money paid, or promises made uh, to consummate the basic three things of a contract. And a PO is part of that contract making. A PO executed can be a full contract. So, generally they're controlled by a purchase order number. That's a tracking thing. If you're a ISO certified organization, you will know this. If not, you probably want to keep track of your purchases and do something we call a three-way match, and we'll get into that later on in this podcast. So if a buyer sends a purchase order which has these terms on it, contract terms on it, and the seller accepts, those terms will form the agreement if there's no other agreement or no other contract. Um, Now, for engineered materials, for high-tech materials, you want to be very careful. Special handling, toxic stuff, uh, hazmat, this is important for providing notice to the person if you are the seller. The seller, generally, in something we call the battle of the forms, uh, will come out uh, uh, in a poorer position than the buyer uh, through a lot of um, mechanisms where the buyer may send a PO, the seller sends their contract, the buyer signs a PO, the seller signs their contract. You know, we only have one signature on two. There's a lot of machinations and can get pretty complex. But let's review generally how a purchase order comes to rise and what the general process is. So uh, I want to buy something in the marketplace. Uh, Generally, I'll issue a few documents, and they have kind of broad definitions, but basically it's a request for something, uh, a request for a proposal of a solution. 
It could be a request for information where I'm not really ready to buy. I just want information on the project. I may ask for a formal proposal after I get more information. For example, I may not know a lot about um, setting up a advanced telemedicine network or something like that, but I want to know what's out there in the industry. I Google some people. I want to get more information. I'll send a RFI or request for information. I'll get information back and then I'll say, okay, five people do what I do out of the 10 people I sent. So I'll actually ask for a proposal, an RFP, request for a proposal. I may also send a RFQ, which is just how much does it cost, a request for a quote. Here's what we want to do. What are you going to charge me? Not necessarily um, leading to an ultimate contract. It may, but we're trying to get some market data on what it'll cost. So after those uh, documents, and which are not required, uh, RFP, RFQ, RFI, you don't have to do this. You can go straight to a purchase order and send it to someone. So you create a purchase order. Internally, you generally want some type of approval. You don't want, say, the receptionist requisitioning um, computers unless that's his job. Uh, if he has is wearing two hats, but you want some type of person who controls the money of the company to uh, be serious about issuing a PO that says, I'm ready, willing, and able to purchase this. Here, seller, look at my PO. Uh, I want five units of this widget on Tuesday. Uh, will you sell them to me? So that purchase order is hopefully approved by someone who has financial controls, a controller, chief financial officer, or some delegate of that person. And then the purchase order uh, is received by the person. Once it's received, it can be a binding contract if they do something, the seller, if they receive, if they ship the goods, they base, and there's no other contracts, and the only thing that triggered the shipment was seeing the purchase order, that can be a binding contract. The um, buyer receives the goods or services, then the seller generates an invoice. And then is this process called the three-way match. What that means is, do the goods match what I ordered and what they invoiced me for? So what I received is what the PO requested, and did they invoice me for the proper things? Um, in high school, I worked in a um, retail setting, and we would issue purchase orders. Uh, they would show up with whatever we did, and I would have to go over, uh, and they would hand me the invoice upon delivery, and I would go through the invoice and make sure uh, everything that we ordered in the purchase order was what I was getting billed for, and everything was on that dolly as they wheeled it into the warehouse. That's a three-way match. Um, so the next thing is once I get an invoice, I receive the goods, you have some type of authorization arrangement for payment. Again, it's a financial thing. Who cuts the check? Who signs the front? And what are the payment terms? Is it net 30? Is it upon arrival? These are things you have to do. And once that purchase order has been satisfied internally, I want to have some type of internal closure. And this is how 
every business from a small retail business to a Fortune 500 ISO certified International Standards Organization certified company generally works these 10 steps. They have some type of uh, request process, RFP, RFI, RFQ perhaps. Uh, next, they will create the purchase order. There'll be some type of internal approval of that purchase order. The purchase order will be sent to the vendor. The purchase order will be received by the vendor. The goods will be received by the buyer. There'll be an invoice by the seller. There'll be a three-way match. They'll authorize and arrange payment, the uh, purchaser, and then the purchase order will be closed. In other words, that requisition was handled. Now, once we get these major organs of the PO completed, what do we do next? Uh, do we always use just a purchase order? Well, a purchase order generally has terms and conditions on it. They can be very detailed. In the absence of another contract, you would have to look to those purchase order contracts, and they generally are not very robust, very complex. They may be on one to five pages of paper. Sometimes they're in mouse print. Uh, but they have a document that has, you know, quantity, price, the basic parts of the, the purchase order um, that lets the seller respond with the goods or services. In more complex things, you probably want what we call a master purchase agreement, a master services agreement, or some type of master agreement. And in that master agreement, it says... PO terms will not control. You can send a PO, but those terms will not uh, control our transaction. These master terms will, or it will say, if there's a conflict in terms, the master will trump all those other terms. It can even say the opposite. So these are documents that people do not read. And you should if you're in business, because they can greatly impact your ability to enforce contracts that aren't breached. So basically we're talking about transactions between merchants in goods of a kind. This is generally governed by on the goods side, not necessarily the service side, UCC Article 2 in the United States. All states except Louisiana follow the Uniform Commercial Code Article 2 and the three things I want you to get uh, about UCC Article 2 is that any offer you make has to expressly state acceptance uh, based on the buyer's acceptance of all your terms. Conflicting terms generally will knock each other out, resulting in gap fillers, uh, which generally favor the buyer. Uh, for example, warranties, warranties of mercantility, fitness for a particular purpose, consequential damages, those things will be provided by UCC Article 2 when the buyer sends his paper and the seller sends his paper and they conflict. 
it'll default to generally buyer favorable terms. And that's why getting a master purchase agreement that's negotiated is probably better than paying uh, playing this battle of the forms that I alluded to earlier. So the only sure way for a seller to control the risk of the battle of the forums is to insist that the parties contract via a signed document or that the buyers order through the seller's website with the seller's standard terms and conditions clearly accessible on that website requiring the buyer to click an I agree button. It works in most jurisdictions because of the e-sign act in America. There's lots of um, cases, lots of cases on this law that say that's a valid contract. So, that generally is a battle of the forms discussion. Uh, I want to talk about the basics of that purchase order. What are the terms of that purchase order? There's essentially um, eight things. It talks about the products or services being purchased. It talks about the quantity. Thirdly, it talks about the specific brand names, uh, SKUs or model numbers. It talks about the price per unit, uh, delivery date, delivery location, company billing address, and agreed payment terms. Those are some of the basic information I'm going to have if I'm the buyer and send it to the seller on that purchase order. Once again, products or services being purchased, quantity purchased, specific brand names, SKUs, model numbers, whatever you have, uh, price per unit, delivery date, delivery location, company billing address, and agreed payment terms. Now, these things are all obtainable in other documents, and hopefully your process, uh, you'll know what the price is. That's what the, like you may say, oh, I'm just, I just sent a PO and they can fill in any price. Not really. That's what an RFQ is. An RFQ can be a formal document you type, or it can be a call on the phone. Hey, what do you charge for a ton of lumber, of this type of lumber, on Wednesday? Um, you know, they, they give you terms. So those are the basics of the RF, uh, sorry, the uh, purchase order. So those are the basics of the purchase order. And that's what I have about negotiating a purchase order. The three takeaways are, one, it's the buyer terms to the seller. You probably want a master service agreement, master goods agreement, if you are a seller, because especially if you have highly engineered, special handling, that is generally not going to be in a purchase order. Uh, it can be, it, it can get very complex, but for the purposes of this podcast. Uh, and thirdly, you want to put those basic information, basic points of what you're buying, what it costs, delivery dates, etc., and those are the takeaways on negotiating a purchase order. Of course, the caveat is battle of the forums. Generally speaking, if there's ambiguity or conflict in terms, the buyer is always favored. If you're the seller, you really want to probably talk to a attorney uh, or a certified purchasing manager about some of this stuff. This is Martin Medeiros. Thank you for joining me in the persuasion lab i want to encourage you to subscribe to our free newsletter to check out our online courses and to email us or give us a call if you need top tier professional negotiators that's what we do every day thousands of transactions decades at this business have a great week and remember 
We communicate our needs to the world by using persuasion, influence, and negotiation, and how effective we are at using persuasion, influence, and negotiation determines whether or not, in fact, we get our needs met. This is Martin Medeiros. Have a great week, and thank you for listening.